1: All right, it's Thursday. We are definitely on the downside of this week, and uh, moving into the weekend. Going to be a nice day today. Going to be in the uh, mid-upper 80s today. Uh, Humidity is start building in towards the afternoon. It'll feel stickier as the day goes on, but nothing like 100, you know, 10 degrees. You know, as far as the heat index goes, uh, I I was listening to a um, a forecaster last night, weather forecaster, and they said, well, it is getting towards the end of August. Okay, so (laughs) this is Arkansas. We could easily be in the hundreds again before uh, this. This month is over and and by the middle of uh, September as well. You got to know that, uh, you know, we've got Labor Day coming up in just a couple of weeks. That's going to be a three day weekend. I'm looking forward to that. Going to have to do something for that one, I think. I may go up to uh, to Branson and catch a show or something up there. That'd be, that'd be all right. Just get out of town for a little bit. I hope that uh, you're looking forward to a good day. we got some great things to talk about. We're going to start off uh, here in the first hour with a couple of very astute uh, legal professors to join us, both of them uh, from the uh, School of Law here in Little Rock uh, that belongs to UALR. And, of course, we'll start off with none other than my friend and... uh, you know, and then my uh, my my big eagle beagle kind of guy, uh, and that's Robert Steinbach. Robert, how are you this morning?
2: I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good.
1: I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm starting to feel human now. I've had a couple of cups of coffee, so I'm getting on with the, uh, the day. They were talking to me yesterday about doing coffee cups for the morning show uh, that uh, you know listeners could you know win and things of that nature. Said, "What do you want on them?" And I said, "Well, we want to put Dave Ellswick Show logo kind of thing on it. We want to do that, but." The other thing that we want to put on it, I said, as I want it to say on one side of it, the elixir of life, because that is what coffee is. It is definitely the elixir of life. With that all said, let me ask this question of you. The big uh, news story right now is what's going to happen in South Florida coming up here in just maybe an hour and a half or so. When this uh, judge that uh, signed off on the warrant to go in and and search uh, former President Trump's house, will make the decision of whether he should uh, uh, release the affidavit. Now, the, here, here's the two arguments I've heard. If you release the affidavit, you might uh, release information uh, the other side uh, shouldn't know about because they don't know right now what the prosecution is doing uh the other and that it's a it's a, such a unique piece of of uh, legal going on right now. Then I hear from the other side, from uh former Trump side, former President Trump side, that, of course, it's unique because you've never gone in and broke into a former president's house before. Don't you think that the people, since they're interested in this, 70 million, who voted for this man, shouldn't uh, this be released so that uh, we know that all of this is on the up and up? I tend to to uh, fall on the side of President Trump on this, if it was so important that the, the uh, DOJ needed to know about it, uh, and it, it it may have been treasonous, in fact, I've heard that word thrown around. If that's the case, I think that if President uh, Trump wants it to be released, it should be released. What say you, and what do you think is
2: going to happen? I agree with you. And indeed, here's the thing typically you don't release uh, let's tell your audience uh, by way of background that when you get a search warrant Uh, Typically, there's more than one way, but the way that was used here, and it's a typical way, is that law enforcement goes to uh, a judge, in this case a magistrate judge, uh, they write up a description of what they think is happening, the wrongdoing that is happening, and why they want to search whatever location they want to search. Uh, And then the the, uh, judge writes an order that says, you may go search these locations. Of course, if he or she approves. Uh, The order now has been released, but the affidavit, which is the sworn to document that describes why the search should take place has not been released. Between the two, of course, uh, that's uh, the meat of the sandwich is the affidavit. That's where the real important stuff is. And since we have, as you aptly point out, this unprecedented uh, search of a former president's house uh, that the public wants to know about, well, if you want to know about it, you're going to want to see the affidavit. Mm -hmm. So if the uh, law enforcement is doing a search, say, of a mobster, and it's part of a big investigation, uh, they don't want to release that affidavit because then other mobsters might know, oh, wait. They know this, they know that, they know about these connections. This is about one former president taking uh, documents from the White House. Uh, Who else is going to know about it? You're going to tell the former president something about himself? He doesn't know what he did? Um, Do they have a bunch of secret double agents working inside Mar-a-Lago? So this is the problem is it's unclear to me it's not impossible that it's that there is something but it's unclear to me what could be released in the affidavit that would somehow harm the government that and then they say by the way you've heard well there could be secret information because of course we're talking about sensitive documents well of course you can what they call redact you can cross out black out that information nobody mm-hmm. is suggesting that that wouldn't uh, be blacked out, so i 'm truly at a loss to understand why the government is so strongly resisting releasing the affidavit, but to be fair i don 't know what 's in the affidavit that 's the problem yeah so and, and finally, uh, in this diatribe that I'm giving you, let me make one final point. You know, I am the co-author and now sole author of the book on the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act. What does that have to do with this? Nothing directly. But it points out that I'm the guy who believes in government transparency. And when given a choice between opacity and transparency, I choose transparency. This is yet another example of where I would choose Transparency.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. I think that uh, if they can redact, which they can do, then nobody's name has to be used. Uh, and even if they, they were, I could understand that they, they're afraid that somebody might get really upset maybe uh, – you know, what, walk in front of somebody's house like uh, Kavanaugh's or something. And, of course, they didn't give him any special treatment. They let people walk in front of his house the whole time uh, that uh, the the Dobbs uh, case was coming out. It just seems to me that any argument that the DOJ makes, uh, they've already burned up all of their uh, special silver bullets Uh, that they had going into this case. And there's this drip, drip, drip going on of, well, it may be the nuclear codes or it may be this or it may be that. And it seems like to me at that point, the person that you've already searched their house, now you're trying them uh, uh, out in the public uh, circle. Doesn't it feel like that to you?
2: Well, it did. Dave, you are well aware that was what occurred over the four years of the Trump presidency. Yes, it was always we try you first, and then we give you due process later. Right, the whole Russia Gate, Russia investigation, which, not ironically, was Hillary Clinton undermining the legitimacy of the Trump election after she complained that. Trump would undermine the legitimacy of the election had she won. She was a hypocrite and a liar. She is a hypocrite and a liar. We know that about her. Um, so there's nothing new about this. This is It's deja vu all over again, as we like to say.
1: Okay, so they go in front of this magistrate judge today. If he says, uh, no, I'm not going to... Uh, make this available for the public to see or for the defendant to see. Uh, What is their next step, or do they even have a next step?
2: Uh, I suspect, like anything, that it could be appealed uh, to the next level court. That's the circuit court, the United States Court of Appeals, um, uh, is also known as the circuit court because it's broken up into uh, 12 geographic regions plus one other, uh, and the, each of those separate regions are called circuits. Uh, so I presume it's appealable. I don't know of anything that's not appealable. Doesn't mean that you win, though. Meaning there are some things that are appealable, but the burden is so high, and the deference is so great to the trial judge. Uh, The district judge, in this case the magistrate judge, that uh, you wouldn't win. So that would theoretically be the next step, though.
1: Yeah, it would seem to me that that becomes uh, really difficult because then not only are you asking them to make it um, known what's in the affidavit, but then you've got to argue why uh, what the judge did didn't meet the letter of the law. Now you've added another layer, and this could keep on going for forever. And, uh, you know, who knows if it would ever. You know, the government is widely known not to move as quickly as uh, they should when it comes to things like this. They tend to use uh, these types of uh, this type of information. This type of it's not a trial yet, but uh, these these uh, you know, I don't know what we want to call this. I mean, where are we right now? What would be the the, the proper term for this? Uh,
2: uh, uh, this is a, a pre-trial motion practice.
1: Okay, I mean, yeah. I mean, this, this is a small piece of the whole whole thing. I mean, they've even said the DOJ has even said, well this could compromise other uh you know cases that we've got going well what other cases you haven't said anything about cases plural until just recently so there's a lot of things going on that worries that's uh, worrying people about this
2: indeed Uh, and that's the point that uh, I raised a moment ago, which is this can compromise. But why do you have uh, another ex-president whose house you yeah. going to church? It, it's like the old joke, Dave, a guy applies for a job and he got out of jail and the employer says, well, I see that you were in jail for many years. Um, uh, and for a serious crime why should we hire you and the uh, would-be employee says well I went to jail for killing my mother I've only had one mother she's dead so there's really nothing else to worry about (laughs)
1: yeah i can understand exactly what you're saying all right let's come back and uh, finish up our part of the talk today i've also got your friend and my friend as well on josh is going to be on today we're going to talk to him about this whole rigmarole that's going on about recreational marijuana it's going to be on the ballot come in november but will it really count that's a question so we'll talk and try to make some sense out of out of that as well let me remind everybody about ICU protection. You want great security at your home or at your business? Well, go with the company that you know does the security for Nuke One. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have – I may have a couple of solar panels, but I don't have no, uh, you know, Nuke-producing uh, – electricity in my home so i i figure that if i see u can protect that it can protect my house i mean i now have door and window sensors on every door and window i have uh in uh, in my home I also have a couple of cameras now that keep uh, the areas that, you know, are hard to see at, at any given time. I've, I can see those areas now, and at nighttime I can see them almost as clearly as I can during uh, during the daytime. And I've, uh, you know, got motion sensors, and then I have the uh, analytics that uh, ICU uh, protection gives me, a warrant to me, which is true detection. It'll tell you if it's a person, an animal, a car, or just a gust of wind that's uh, triggering your security system. And then everything shows up on your smartphone. You're hooked up to the web, and then uh, something walks across, let's say your driveway, and you got a camera out there. It'll go on immediately and show you what's out there. You to tip you right off to it. They can do that the same thing for you in your business as well. So get to great security, whether it's your home or your business, call Billy Mack. He's the owner, and you'll love Billy Mack. He is such a nice guy. He'll give you his cell phone number, in fact, so that you can call him if you got any problems. 501 205 1333. I mean, seriously, what businesses have you gone to? And the manager comes out and says, hey, by the way, I'll give you my cell phone number just in case you you got a question. Uh, 501-205-1333. You'll pay for the service. You will not pay for the hardware. That's absolutely free to you and becomes yours as soon as it's uh, put online. Pay for the service and not for the hardware. Call 501-205-1333. Get great, great security with ICU protection. Let's get back to it. Uh, Robert Steinbach is... uh, my guest right now he is a law professor bowen school of law over ualr his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of uh the school of law or the you know university that they're tied to and uh, how do you think this is going to play out robert do you do you think that the judge goes with you know this is just like any other case or does he say you know this is without without merit, one of the biggest cases around. It's the first time in 200 plus years this has ever happened, and uh, the people who voted for this man have the right to know what's going on.
2: <clears throat> the government, unfortunately, judges uh, are have a, a lean towards doing what the government wants. Now, I say unfortunately because Not that I think, on the whole, the government does something wrong. I I say, unfortunately, because we see the image of Lady Justice, uh, the woman in the robe with the blindfold on holding the scales, and the notion there, of course, is that both sides get to put evidence or arguments on each side of the scale. Each has one side of the scale. And since Lady Justice is blindfolded, the determination should be made uh, without uh, considering who the person or the party is but it's not always the case to be clear i was speaking yesterday to a friend of mine who's a judge and he made the point that the single biggest threat to americans freedom is government not that he's against government he works for the government he's worked for the government for years but the government is the most powerful entity by far Uh, in the country and therefore in the world, of course, because we're talking United States government. And so if they try to do something against an individual, that's a sledgehammer, and we need to be cautious about that. Uh, But like I say, on the whole, judges don't tend to feel that way. Uh, And so when we look at the scales, they're slightly tipped in favor of the government. So if you're asking me what my guess is, not having any additional information, my guess is that the government wins. That's not that I think the government should win. I'm just describing to you uh, what I think is the more likely outcome. Not by 90 10 in terms of percentages, you know, but maybe 55, 45, something along those lines.
1: All right. Now, do you expect them to make the uh, determination today, or will we have to wait several days while the judge drafts up some kind of a legal document saying that? They can either uh, open that up or they got to keep it closed.
2: Yeah, I think the latter. I'll tell you by sort of a story analogy. As you know, I litigate. I'm a practicing lawyer in Arkansas. I have a Freedom of Information Act case for my client uh, in a trial court here in Little Rock. Uh, and we brought a number of claims against Sheriff Higgins for not releasing documents. After we brought the lawsuit, uh, but before we got to court, uh, Higgins showed up with all his documents, needless to say. It's funny how that works, isn't it, by the way,
1: yeah. Dave? Yeah,
2: they've just right? decided. <laughs> so, um, but, by the way, I'll take it. Okay, that's what the law is designed to do. So we go into court, and the judge says, well, what's going on? And we say, well, we got, we got everything we asked for. And he said, well, okay, well, then I'll dismiss the case. And he says to the other side, write up an, uh, um, an order for me. On my federal court and state court, often the lawyers write up a draft of the order. I'm not a big fan of that process, but it's quite common. Um, so the other side writes up an order and says, case dismissed. So I said to her, well, no, the whole point of writing up an order by the way, on a transparency case, is to be transparent about what the court is now doing. Right. Um, So you need to put some of the facts in. And by the way, here are the two key facts. One is, you gave us the document. Two, you did it after we sued. So um, the Higgins' attorney said no, and so we wrote something to the court saying, hey, uh, this is what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, the courts are supposed to write something up that provides transparency as to their own thinking, as to what they're doing, so that future litigants and the public in general, the bar, meaning attorneys, other judges, and the public in general uh, all know what's going on. All right. So that's I, what I i got to jump that's in. A break
1: we got to take a break i'll talk to you on the other side we'll talk to josh silverstein too about the marijuana case all right we're back with you i want to remind you about what's going on with david lucas financial they're going to help you uh, work on that nest egg you got uh, most economists will tell you and people who uh, talk about building for retirement right now with the inflationary numbers that we have and things of that nature are saying that you should have about fifteen percent. Of, uh, You know, gold or silver or some other precious metal uh, included in your nest egg to protect it uh, from losing money and keep it up there where you still have uh, the amount of money that you thought you were going to have when you, you know, called it quits with work. And uh, David Lucas Financial can help you with all of that because they know the ins and outs of buying uh, precious metals. And uh, I know I don't, I don't know, maybe you do, but bottom line, they'll tell you whether you. You should get it in, in the medal. Should you get it in a, a certificate? You know, how how do you buy it? How do you know you're getting a good price? All of that can be learned through David Lucas Financial. You don't want to let 1970s-style inflation destroy your retirement. So call David Lucas today, 501 222 3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. And what that means for you is that you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. To learn more, about buying silver and gold call 501-222-3315 that's 501-222-3315 investment advisory services are offered through david lucas financial and arkansas registered investment advisor all right waiting in the in the wings on the on deck circle josh silverstein is with us he too is a law professor at the bowen school of law his opinions are his and his alone not necessarily those are the uh, school of law nor the university to uh, which it belongs and josh thanks for joining us today i was uh, reading about this whole uh, debacle that was going on dealing with um, recreational marijuana in uh, arkansas and it's you know, I figured they were going to get the uh, uh, the signatures they needed. They they got quite a bit more than what they needed. They only counted up to what they did need and uh, okayed it. But they had close to two hundred thousand, and they needed under a hundred thousand. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, the election commission steps in and says, "Yeah, you got the signatures, but." What's in this law might cause problems with another law we got here in the state. At least this is how I'm kind of seeing what happened. And uh, they were going to throw it off the ballot. The people who are behind the, the initiative took it to the Arkansas Supreme Court. The Arkansas Supreme Court said, no, you can't throw it off the ballot. It's going on the ballot. However, that doesn't mean that. It's going to become law, because we might, uh, as we get into this, find out, yeah, we got a problem with this law. Josh, did I kind of encapsulate that pretty good?
3: That was an excellent summary, and thanks for having me. You got it exactly right. The Arkansas Supreme Court said, we know it takes a long time to get a ballot put together, and if you wait to prepare the ballots until after we've ruled on this proposed amendment— We won't have time to get them ready for the November election. So put it on the ballot and we'll issue our ruling down the line. And that ruling could be that the amendment is invalid in some way and so the votes don't count. Something similar happened a couple of election cycles ago with a tort reform amendment that was on the ballot and the Supreme Court struck it only about two weeks before the election. And so the votes just weren't counted under the Supreme Court order. Very good summary,
1: Dave. All right, so here's my question then: Why doesn't the election commission get involved? Well, it's probably because of the way the law is written. But why don't they get involved earlier so that these people don't waste their time trying to get a piece of uh, legislation onto the supreme uh, or onto the constitution? And they know that they're going to throw it off because you can't, you know, you can't write up a law like they're trying to write up a law.
3: That's 100% correct. The law is written to follow the process that we see, that the commission decides everything. Did you get the signatures? Is your language appropriate? Is the title correct? They decided all at once. But I think logic strongly supports the conclusion that you're proposing, that ballot titles and the language of amendments and and legislation as well is also available through this process, that all of that be approved up front so people don't waste time gathering, as you noted, 200,000 signatures and then having it thrown off. The design of the system just doesn't make sense in terms of the order in which the steps happen.
1: I mean, look, the... the the legislature puts it together about what you have to do to be able to get something on the ballot to to, to an initiative to change the Constitution of the state. That's well and good. And then the people get to, to vote on it. But what does it say to the people of the state that you get the necessary signatures? And then somebody says, oh, no, no, look at this little this this little part here, you know, on and this thing we're getting with THC. Too much THC in this law, not enough, and the people who are buying it for medicinal purposes, they won't know how much THC really is in this, so we can't put this on the ballot. And the people who signed this piece of uh, legislation, the people who have gone out and done it, and it's not cheap, it costs a lot of money to do this, get screwed in the end.
3: I think that's right. Both the parties that are promoting proposed changes to the Constitution and legislation through this process, and then the people who will ultimately get to vote, all miss out on an opportunity. Getting the language right for a proposed constitutional amendment isn't rocket science, but there's some complexity to it. it. If we go through a few steps to a process, it definitely can be done right every time. And so if we simply had the process of deciding the language first, get that finalized, then begin the signature process. I think that would be a fairer system for all involved.
1: Well, I don't know if you remember back when we tried to get the, uh, the getting the, the, the tax off of food and take it to the, we took it to the people that we got the necessary signatures. I can tell everybody now how much that ran, uh, because most of the people that, did this are dead now, except for me and Jacobs and a couple other people. Bottom line, we we spent over three hundred thousand dollars and and not. Uh getting into how much time and effort we put into it to get all the necessary signatures and sitting down and correlating where all of the the signatures came from and, and cross-referencing and making sure they were on our end to make sure they were good before we took them to the Secretary of State. And then at that time, it was the Arkansas Attorney General that determined the ballot title. And at that time, that was uh, former Senator uh, Pryor, uh, one of his earlier office uh, holdings, who determined that the first three times we put the title on uh, it, it wasn 't good enough it, He said that it it didn 't clarify what was really in the in in this constitutional uh, amendment basically, and uh, we said, "Well, then you write it, and by the time he got done writing it, you didn 't know whether you were voting for the tax or against the tax. It seems to me it is a how do we put I, the easiest way to put it it's, it's political, and the people who want to see it get through uh, can help it get through and people who don't want it to get through that are politically uh, motivated can stop it from getting through. Uh, is there a way of getting around all of that, or is politics always going to be involved?
3: I think politics will always be involved to some degree, but the proposal that you're implicitly recommending here would do a lot to facilitate the process. The title language and the other language of the amendment is more a question of form, and that can be resolved with a combination of an agency like the election commission, and then appealing to the Supreme Court. The better way though, would be to have the process before the agency, the commission, and the litigation all resolved before the a signature, process begins. And you can think of the signature process as the substantive component, not the form, which is just getting the language right, but the substance. Is there really enough support from the people of Arkansas to put this before them on the ballot? And that's why we have the signature requirement. We don't want the ballot to be ludicrously complicated, have a million things on there that people as regular citizens living their lives don't have time to research every question. So we want only the few things the legislature can propose each cycle and those items or issues where there's really significant support and people could get the signatures. You get the signatures, we've already resolved the language, then the people should get to decide.
1: All right. Josh Silverstein is our uh, guest. Again, he works over at the Bowen School of Law. Good friend of mine. Good friend of Robert Steinbach. I got to get a break in, Josh. When we come back, let's the three of us uh, have a little discussion here and uh, hear what Robert has to say. And then if you guys disagree, you can argue about it right here on the air. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. (laughs) We'll do that. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about our good friends at PI Roofing. It's the only company that's ever been on top of my house. Only one. Well, now wait a second. I've got Leaf Guard gutters. They were on top of my house. But the bottom line is, to do work on my roof, it's only been PI Roofing. Joel Johnson and uh, his his wife, uh, who are the owners of uh, PI Roofing, Go out and get the best people to do the job. They test them before they ever get up on your roof. They make sure that they know and they've been trained to put uh, the roofs on the way uh, P.I. Roofing wants to do it. So you get that kind of professionalism. They work with your insurance company. They make sure that uh, you only go and pay what you absolutely have to pay to put the final roof on your home. Now with the way the roofing products are and uh, the way that they do their job, Now, you put a roof on your your, uh, house. You shouldn't have to put another one on during the whole time that you own your roof, unless something like happened up in Cabot, where we had just a terrible hailstorm over uh, the winter of uh, last year. So, PI Roofing, keep that name in mind. I'm going to give you the number that I call, 501-707-3551, and they'll give you all of the all of their, their expertise, just like they did me. Or you can visit them online at PIRoofing.com well i don't get this opportunity very often Uh we got josh silverstein on the air who's from the bowen school of law we've got uh, robert steinbach as well on the phone and been listening to the discussion about uh, recreational marijuana and, and all the rigmarole that's going on with that and uh and he's here with us as well i will let you know that you know other than freedom of speech, they probably don't agree on anything. Just to be honest with you, but but that's okay. That that's why we do this on on my show and uh, and talk about this. Robert, you listened to what Josh had to say. What do you think about the what the, the way that they're treating this whole thing about uh, recreational marijuana?
2: Dave, before I even answer that, and I don't have a long answer for that because Josh did a fantastic job, uh, I will tell you this, we actually agree on a lot more, not because our politics are aligned, <clears throat> but we agree on many things, for example, what should be going on in higher ed in general and what should be going on in our law school specifically. And what's interesting about that is, as you point out, I'm conservative. Uh, Josh is Democrat slash liberal, um, but not far leftist, mind you. And we both agree uh, largely on the things that should be happening, like I say, in higher education and specifically in our law school, uh, because we believe in fairness, we believe in justice, uh, we believe in procedure and we believe in the law. And throughout higher education, we have seen these moves where politics is the driving force. You have a 90 percent plus uh, um, liberal faculty uh, in higher education, that's not by accident. And that results in a lack of intellectual diversity. And the left constantly talks about diversity, but the diversity that matters the most is intellectual diversity. And that is almost completely absent. Not completely, because I got a job, but almost completely absent in higher education. Josh and I agree on these things. Oh, okay. Uh, as for the, As for marijuana, Josh said it out very well, Uh, we need to have a process by which, A, we can get things on the ballot here in Arkansas, and then if there are disputes, those disputes can be resolved uh, in a way that it's not after uh, the election takes place because what you're doing there is you're having some folks use the process to undermine the substance, to use the process to not allow the people to vote. By a very rough analogy, and it is quite rough, remember what happened when nine cronies in the uh, uh, Pulaski County Republican Committee, uh, on the eve of the state convention, uh, falsely claimed that there was something wrong with the ballot for the Pulaski County delegates uh, and they got the delegates unseated. They got their own delegates unseated. Why? Because somebody walked off with their ball from the playground uh, and uh, at that point uh, the process was so broken that it was essentially too late to fix it. There were certain other steps that took place, but they didn't do anything different. They didn't create a different outcome. Uh, the point simply is, is is that if you're a Republican and you live in Pulaski County, your vo- voice wasn't heard in the state convention uh, because nine uh, uh, complainers uh, stole your election of your delegates. Uh, uh, there needs to be better processes whereby the people's voice Uh, is heard, Uh, and that's often or at least sometimes not happening when we talk about ballot initiatives here in Arkansas.
1: Now let me jump in and just ask Josh this. Josh, this is what worries me. You do it by the rules. You get to the finish line is in sight. You're about ready to step over it, and suddenly somebody brings something up that you couldn't even answer before Uh, You you put it on the ballot, and now you may be stuck without being able to get it on the ballot, but you did everything else right. With that in mind, all these people who signed uh, these petitions, almost 200,000 people, uh, it seems to me they're going to lose a lot of respect and and trust in, in the process.
3: I think that's right. As Rob put it, process is being used to block substance. And it doesn't take that much work to get the language right, get it on the ballot, and then allow people to sign if they think we should actually be voting on it, or rather put it in the form that it can go on the ballot. That's right. Whatever technical issues someone might have with the language, or even not so technical issues, there might be real problems with language that someone wants to put on the Constitution, in the Constitution get all of that resolved up front and then the signature process and the voting process can go smoothly once the supreme court the state supreme court rules that the language is permissible that should be the end of it all of that litigation should have to happen up front before the signature process begins
1: okay now you've been working with these folks uh, that are trying to get this on to the ballot is that true
3: no, I have not actually been working with them. I simply commented on the work they have been doing for a couple of other news stories. So I I know who they are, and I'm friendly with them, but I'm not actually working with them on this process.
0: So
1: what's the next step for them? I mean, you're going to get it on the ballot, but it still may not
3: count. Right. So the process now is the Arkansas Supreme Court issued a temporary ruling. And what will happen at this point is there will be regular litigation before the state Supreme Court on whether the ballot title is sufficient or not. And they will also continue spending money and campaigning to advocate in favor of people voting to have marijuana, recreational marijuana in the Constitution. That money could go to waste as well they could spend a lot of time and money on ads and everything else and so could the opponents all campaigning about this and then the arkansas supreme court rules and it was all moot so it's not just the process of getting it on the ballot that kind of blows up with all the effort put into signatures even the campaigning process that is underway could get blown up. There's a lot of resources that get wasted by doing things in the order we do them.
1: And right. it just seems to me, here's what I think, All right, for whatever it counts, is that they can go ahead let it be on the ballot. If it passes, they can go back. And if this is about THC levels, they can, they can correct that in the law itself, legislatively. I don't think that there's any problem with that. I think this is, comes down to... Should should a person be able to have an ounce of marijuana and not have to worry about going to jail about it. That's what I think that it's about. I agree. So let let's just move forward with it. Josh, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a thank pleasure talking to you. Always good to have you on. Robert, it's always good to have you on. I'll have you back on tomorrow. We'll be ready to take, we take it. We'll have we'll have that thing about the president talking about, about tomorrow. So we'll we'll discuss that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get a break in news is next. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here on one 1011-FM, the answer... An hour of a thursday show and we brought joe and duck in and got to talk about some news that they've been making about cars here just yesterday uh, a story came out uh, from chrysler plymouth chrysler i guess i feel like i'm going to sneeze so if i start sneezing i'm going to turn my mic off bless you just there okay so they just announced that after next year you won't be able to buy a Charger or a Challenger with a regular engine in it, a gas engine in V8. it. Yeah, they're going to move. They're going to move to an electric, uh, a motor uh, for it. It will have more horsepower than the Hellcat, which is probably one of the fastest cars on the road right now. I think I heard eleven 1, hundred horsepower. It'll get it. Yeah, it'll get up and go. I mean. That's going to throw you back in your seat because with an electric car, as soon as you step on the gas pedal, you're at full power. It gives you all the power that you got available to you. Yeah, it's ready to go. So my question is, you know, why did they even bring this up? They don't have to bring it up. I guess they're just not going to make... new deal, Dave. Well, yeah, they're just not going to make gas engines for them any longer. Do you know? It's going to take forever. It's not going to, like the next day they're going to you know people are going to quit buying gas engines well
4: wow. in that particular case they said they're going to quit making it yeah those orders will go up very very high at yeah. the end of the production line for the last ones
5: well i can imagine and it's a the
4: that's correct
5: i was listening to a guy talk uh, last week when i was at home uh this guy he is a big tree hugger big climate control deal and kind of like elon musk and this guy that was interviewing he asked him he said okay if if we all go to electric cars we do away with all the gas he said how are we going to support the electricity grid and he he looked at this guy and kind of turned his head sideways and he said well i can explain to you something to you i've been one of these people that's been griping about the climate he said it don't matter what we do the climate's going to change It changed when it come to Ice Age, and it's changing now. And it don't matter how much we do away with carbon or anything, it's still going to change. And the guy asked him, he said, so why are we shoving this down our throat? And he said, because we can. And left it at that. Well, there's a lot of things that here in America and
1: in uh, what I would have to say are the the countries that have more money than they know basically what to do with – You know they want to do something because they can do it, and uh, I heard another person put it kind of in a different way. You know that people are of the opinion that they got to worry about something,
5: and so they want to change it. So they they got to worry, and and that's basically what he said. He said we got to have something to get grants and spend you know spend money on. So this is why you know they're they're chasing all this. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be
1: weird. And
5: Dave, I don't want my air to look like China. No. You know, over time, they don't ever see the sun because, you know, it's polluted so bad.
1: It used to be that way in parts of the United States at exactly. one time. I used to live in an area that it was that way.
5: And I don't want it back that way, but, but we got new technology. You know, all these uh, coal-burning fire plants, you know, power plants, they got scrubbers that scrub the air before it releases. If you, I know there's one in Ocala that burns coal, and all you see coming out of the top of the machine is, is steam. Well, yeah, they see the white smoke, though. Most people see it, and they think that's pollution, and yeah. it's not. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it dissipates. I mean, it it can come out, and it, it barely gets out of the smokestack and then it dissipates, and it's mm-hmm. gone. But, you know, I, I asked you many times, we don't have enough electricity to supply our houses, you know, so how are we going to put tens of millions of electric cars on there every night at 8 o'clock? We'll figure it out. That's what they'll tell you. <laughs>
1: They'll tell you we'll
5: figure it out. Give us something else to worry about. But I bet you $5 they don't have no rolling blackouts at their house when this all happens. Well, supposedly. Supposedly. No, they'll turn a generator on. <laughs> we'll, burn, we'll burn natural gas or we'll burn diesel fuel. Yeah, they'll
1: call down, they'll call down to the, the power plant and say, start that other generator up.
4: Well, it'll work like this. You go home, you plug your EV car in, and you have a brownout. So your house generator fires up. Runs so you can charge your EV car. Mm-hmm. What's the house generator run on? Yeah. I, I see propane know. or diesel, yeah,
5: or natural gas. I mean, yeah. or you know. you're going to have your own little
1: small
4: <laughs> hydrogen power cell. So you're 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 burning that fuel to charge your EV car because your lights are out in your house. Go figure. I know.
5: And this guy also said, I didn't say it was smart policy. I know. But this guy also <laughs> said, Dave. He said, you know, look. The guy asked him, said, what is the best power plant that we could build? Dukes, And that's exactly what he said. He said, they're clean burning. He said, yeah, we have waste, but he said, you can power a whole country on a dump truck full of waste. So, you know, he had pretty good answers, but, but he did tell everybody. He said, look, I'm a climate-changing person, been this way my whole life but he's come to the conclusion that the climate's going to change regardless what happens.
1: Well, I kind of felt that way too, to be honest with you. That that uh volcano that I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it on yeah. the internet and that was after it came up through over a mile of water. It was under under the the ocean mm-hmm. and it was an amazing sight to see it erupting, but uh it spewed Tons upon tons upon tons of matter uh, into the atmosphere, up to 35 miles high. And there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, I read an article back. It was in the (laughs) 1800s. I can't give you an exact date. But uh, a couple of uh, volcanoes erupted at the same time, and they dumped – and they were on the other side of the world. And they dumped so much particulate matter into the atmosphere that here in the United States – it changed the whole weather pattern as far as uh, winter time went here in the United States. Sure, it, it was winter on the eastern coast mm-hmm. for uh, six or seven months longer because couldn't get enough sun through all the particulate matter that was in the well, air. Look at
5: uh, We're going to make it unlawful for the the Earth to have erupting volcanoes. Well, look at uh, the one out in the western part of the United States that erupted here a few years ago,
4: Mount St. Helens.
5: Yeah, Mount St. Helens. Look, yeah, look at it. I mean, it it. It covered the sun up for a few days until, you know, it all got dissipated out. So
4: It know. rained mud in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. I wonder what the carbon footprint is on that. It's I bet big. You, I bet you if you started every gasoline engine in the world and let them run for a full tank, it wouldn't cover a pinprick on a volcano blast carbon footprint.
1: I don't know if you're Leonardo DiCaprio and you're flying as much as he does. You might be dumping enough into it. I'm just, no. I'm just kidding. All right. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just right?
4: saying that, you know, the the way they judge things and and calculate things. You're doing this. You're doing that. So you get charged this for this carbon footprint or that carbon footprint. Tell a volcano what it to do. Yeah. Okay,
1: now I I wanted to ask you guys a question today because I knew we would get into this part of the discussion when I knew I was going to talk about the Charger and the Challenger. When you go out and buy a car, it gives you the estimated miles per gallon that you will get for that automobile if all things considering are exactly as they did the test. In other words, a perfectly flat surface no wind holding you
5: back or anything like that. Temperature at the at the, at the, the cooler perfect, the temperature yeah. the more fuel mileage you, you know, get.
1: Perfect temperature, all of that. Are they doing that with the electric vehicles? Is that how they're determining that at this time? Because I'm thinking all these EV miles you're supposed to get up for electricity. That's going to depend upon the exact same things that you're dealing starting, with on
5: uh, starting and going. How you accelerate. You know, the guy bought a Ford truck with the, and they told him it would get 300 miles. You know, on a on average range, and they told him said you hook your camper trailer up, it'll get about 200 miles. He hooked his camper trailer up and he got 81 miles and it quit. Huh and how long does it take to charge up that uh, those batteries I, i'm gonna say if some of these new chargers they put quick chargers in them and it will charge them pretty good you know up to 30 40 minutes that's still a long time i don't look i the only time i'm 30 or 40
1: minutes at filling up my car is if the line is that long
4: well let's go back to what's written on the <clears throat> excuse me on the sticker of the vehicle that's a gasoline burning vehicle Okay, the sticker says estimated EPA miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody, no, that in this world could get that fuel economy out of that vehicle, driving it on a street. It's not going to happen.
1: I couldn't with my.
4: Uh, and so it's always been a joke. They put it in a controlled environment. They put it in there and they run it on a dyno, and they do everything they can to make that mileage as high as possible. But you cannot drive that car down the road. There are hills, there's stoplights, there's a lot of things in the way to stop you from getting that mileage.
1: There's a person who thinks that whatever that the left lane.
4: Whatever that thing, say it's stated at 22 miles to the gallon. You'd be lucky to get 15 or 16 out of it driving it on the highway. My truck
5: says 19.9. And maybe sixteen.
4: Yeah, you can't do it. But you know,
5: when I
1: bought the, my uh, SUV, I mean, it said twenty-five on the on the highway. The best I I do when I'm driving, like on sixty-seven, one sixty-seven, or whatever, it's about eighteen miles to mm-hmm. a gallon.
4: Yeah, you can't do it. They've yeah, it's just, not it's, possible. It's, a, it's it's in a, it's in a it's in a room, and they suck all the vapors. The emissions out of there, the paint, everything. And, and it's on a dyno, and that's where it's based on. It's yes. a specific RPM going this fast, the engine RPM this, and it's traveling. But even on a dyno, that reduces the weight of the vehicle it's pulling. Yes. Right, Doug? Because it's not having to push that. It's just got to spin the wheels, Dave. Yeah, all, all it's no doing is spinning it.
5: the back wheels or the front and wheels, whichever on. one it is. But And another thing, too, it's not busting no wind. Yeah. It's sitting still. It's not raining. Yeah. It hasn't snowed. It ain't 100 degrees outside. Right. You know, and, and uh, they do that strictly for the EPA. Yeah, for the
1: cafe standards they yeah. got to meet. Yeah. Absolutely. They do
5: that strictly for the EPA, you know, and uh, and, and they're never going to change it. I mean, you know, to where you get, you know, you you know, you go out here and put it on the interstate, and you run up down the interstate. Yeah, you get one fuel mileage, but you get in town where you're stopping and going, you'll get a whole lot less. Yeah, that's why they've got two. Yeah, in numbers town for you in,
1: in in the city and on you know the interstate or whatever.
4: Well, it'll it will be highway mileage, and and then in city, yeah. yeah but you, you're never going to meet either one. Of
5: them. You can't I do it. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Ashley bought her a new BMW. Comes with electric seats. I mean, come with the heated and cool seats. If she wants the heated and cool seats to turn on, she has to pay them $18.95 a month. Yes, it's something new they're coming out with. All
1: right. Well, we'll talk about that and hear the rest of that story mm-hmm. when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe and Duck are around. They uh, own bumper to bumper certified service centers. It's Duck's Garage joe's garage we're going to talk about that because i hadn't heard that one yet 20 minutes after seven don't forget about east end towing uh they belong to the Arkansas tow and uh, recovery board they're licensed and insured with their tow operation and every one of their trucks is permitted uh with that in mind they know all about private property tows public property tows Uh, You know, how to keep your car out of the impound yard and making sure that they get called and said to somebody, You don't even know what they do when they tow your car. So uh, keep this number in your phone 501 888 8849. 501 888 8849. Use the tow facility that understands all the laws and all of the circumstances and situations. (laughs) You could find yourself in that's East End Towing. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Another question just came up here as we were talking. That is, you know, what's the char What's the cost to recharge your your car, for instance? at, let's say you're staying at Walmart. You know, you you stop and the, you know, you you need to to recharge. So what what do, what do you do? Uh, so we, I'm I'm finding out that. You put your credit card that. in
4: the machine, and you plug it in. Put it in there, and you buy a certain amount of time on that machine, and that's what you're looking up, Dave, is to see what that cost is for that. Yep, that's what I'm yeah, yeah. It's got for.
5: To, it's got to, you know, be bought by the minute or something or another.
4: Sure. To do it by how much voltage you've used, kilowatts, whatever, you know. So.
1: All right. It says uh, this is from Kelly Blue Book says, how much does it cost to charge an electric car? And if you're looking at an electric car versus a gas car, doing some upfront research on charging compared with gas costs will help you make an informed decision. To answer the question of costs, we enlisted the help of John Volkner, a longtime automotive journalist and industry analyst who specializes in electric vehicles. He's heard every argument made for... And against electric vehicle ownership, including recharging costs compared to traditional refueling, says don't sweat it. The math involved is pretty simple. For the most accurate estimate, it helps if you have a recent electric bill for reference. You'll want to calculate the amount you pay for electricity in a given month. Then we'll provide examples so you can determine how much you spend on each kilowatt hour of electricity used. That's what they say for home charging. Find your electric bill, to divide the number of kilowatt hours you used into the bottom line dollar total. That'll give you the price you pay per kilowatt. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, the average U.S. household pays nearly 14 cents per kilowatt hour. Let's apply that rate right to a typical electric car. This example does not take into consideration any discounts provided by your utility. A conservative rule of thumb is you use an electric car and you get three to four miles per kilowatt hour. So divide the total miles you drive each month uh, by three to get the kilowatt hours you would use monthly. Multiply that number to your cost per kilowatt hour. The dollar amount you get will most likely be lower than what you pay each month to buy gasoline. Put it in perspective, let's give an example. Let's say you drive about 1,183 miles per month. Americans drive an average of about 14,200 miles a year. For an EV, you will use about 394 kilowatt hours in that time frame. Using the U.S. household average from January 2022 of nearly 14 cents per kilowatt hour, it would cost about $55 per month to charge an electric car is what they say but what well, we're wondering how much does it cost if you're out at walmart or you're traveling you stop by the motel and mm-hmm. uh, you're charging up there uh i'm just looking here and i'm not seeing that they've got that that's just talking about if you're doing it at home um then, then you can have level two and faster charging, which will make the cost of quick charging. Doing it. that to mm-hmm. it, it more expensive. So, there's a lot of research that you got to do before you know that answer that we're talking about. Yep. Just so you know, it's not as easy as just plugging in your car. Yeah. It's going. Somebody's got to make all that stuff up. Uh, as far as what it's going to cost, although there's a lot of people on the left who believe the government will pay it, and it's free. No, <laughs> not not the way it works, mm-hmm. folks. I'm sorry to tell you that it is not the way it works. So anyway, enough about electric cars. It's going to happen. Sure. They're going to force us into it. That's what they're doing right now. They're getting you used to paying an exorbitant amount
5: by messing with the market.
1: Mm-hmm. They're doing that now. So just
5: keep that in mind. Yo, gas is down right now, but you wait that to November. Oh. They're going to jack it back up. Well, that's that's if the the
1: Republicans don't win the, uh, the House yeah. and the Senate. If they win the House and the Senate, it probably will come somewhat down. Although, got to get the president, got to get his buy-in as well. And yeah. he'll want something for that. That's what they call.
5: Yeah, we're getting 87,000 IRS agents now.
1: We won't even get into
3: that. (laughs)
5: Let's talk about cars. (laughs)
1: Yeah, let's talk about cars on that. All right. Let's start off with uh, Cindy. Yeah, Cindy's got a 2000 Chevy Silverado. Says it's a 2500, uh, eight-cylinder, six-liter. Says, I got AC problems with staying cool. Cools for a while, then doesn't. Uh, when we turn the AC off for a while, then back on, it will cool again for a short time. AC has been fully charged, and fan clutch has been replaced. It's freezing
4: up. Well, that's a possibility. You know, it would like it would be nice to know if 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 we could get the you know some gauge readings on that when it's you know, but you know it's a it's a 2000 model, so it's the only thing it's got on it is for as as far as. Uh, pressure sensor stuff's got a high pressure pop off on it and then a couple other things but uh, most of the time when you see them do that right there if this was driving down the road it would help us or if it was sitting still would help us too wouldn't it yeah
1: all right, you know? I'm going to hold your thoughts. Okay. We'll finish answering that question when we get back. We have Bill O'Reilly we've got to listen to and find out what he wants to talk about. Then we'll come back and talk about AC a little bit, like when it's 103 degrees out. I had this discussion with my wife just yesterday. All right, so we were talking with Joe, and uh, he was doing some answering about some different things. We're going to let him pick up there. Then I want to talk a little bit about um, ac as far as uh keeping it really cool in your car i just i guess a little pre-statement here if it's 103 out regular temperature and it really feels like it's like 112 or 114 degrees don't expect your air conditioner to keep your car feeling like it's 65 degrees inside
4: No, it's not going to do it. It's using that ambient air outside to cool the engine and your A.C. condenser and all that, which changes your head pressures on your A.C. And uh, you know it's it's doing all it can. Plus, you got to understand, you're riding around in a vehicle that's full of glass. Yeah. And the sun, most of the time, when it's 100 and something degrees outside, it's full sunshine all the time. Yes. So every piece in that car is getting magnified a little bit from the inside through the glass with the sun shining on it, right, Doug?
5: Exactly. And 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 everything of that car is red hot. I mean, you touched the outside of that car. It's I mean, it, it almost burned you when it's that hot. And almost. It will burn you. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and and so it's an air conditioner designed to cool when it gets into the 70, 75, 80 degree is how they're designed. So when it gets at 110, 112 degrees outside, it's struggling. Like Joe said, it's struggling to keep you cool. I mean, it'll keep you cool, but it ain't going to keep you cold.
4: You know, let's just talk about Freon for a minute, A.C. pressures. If it's 85 degrees outside with a 134A system on average vehicle, the head pressure on it's going to be around 175 to 225. Mm -hmm. On the high side, the low side is going to be around 38 to 42. Yep. When it gets 100 degrees outside, the same AC system, same car, same everything in the shade, those pressures are going to be on the high side somewhere around 300 to 325 to 350. Yep. On the low side, it's going to push it up around 45 to 50, so your efficiency of your air conditioning goes down just because the ambient temp, and it's using that ambient temp air to cool the condensing unit. If you can't get the condensing unit cooler because that cools the Freon off before it goes through the expansion valve or the uh, orifice tube, tube. whatever it takes to make that Freon spew. It's like a water hose. You hold your finger over the end of it, and you make the uh, water spray, That's all an AC unit does. Freon is not cold until it goes through a small hole and comes out as a mist on the other side.
5: Yeah, and it's going through a hole that's the size of a, a very small drill bit. Yeah. I mean, very small drill bit. and. So it's forcing it through there, and that's what cool, you know. But Joe, nowadays these cars don't hold near the freon they used to.
4: One, two, three, four, YF. No, it holds about half what a regular one thirty four A system would. Where it hold two pounds, it might hold fourteen to sixteen ounces no. Yeah,
5: at the very most. And if you take one that gets a couple ounces low, it's going to create a problem. And you're not—I mean, you're you're really making it work hard
1: to struggle. And if you—and if it's gone down and and uh, how much uh, freon is there find the leak yeah because it's expensive nowadays there's a leak somewhere because it it doesn't destroy itself nor create itself so that's correct yeah it's that's going why. somewhere
4: that's why when we were talking about cindy's truck working for a little bit and then quitting working for a little bit and then quitting you know she's got a new fan clutch on it she's says it says it's fully charged I don't know how they charged it the way we do it. Me and Duck do. We have a machine, and there's a uh, factory sticker on it that tells you how much it's supposed to be in it, whether it's a single unit air or a dual unit, which is air in the back or the front. But either way, when you when we charge one up, we weigh the freon in through the recovery machine to put yes. the exact amount in there. And you can be just like Duck said. You can be a few ounces low, okay, and it'll affect how well that operates. But the being the fact that she says it quits blowing cold at all tells me it's probably tripped out on the high pressure. Yep. Yeah, it's got a new fan clutch on it. But what condition is the fan shroud in? is, yeah, or, is it or is it stopped up on the front?
5: Or what condition is is a, uh, the evaporator core inside? Is it stopped yeah, up?
4: That's correct. Is, you know, is the and it, if
5: it's not getting enough air across it, it's going to
1: freeze up. Yep. So what you're telling me is there's a lot more to this than just meat style. Yeah, and yeah. it goes along with if you've been doing stuff like this you know what to do
4: well you know he said it's fully charged was it leaking was it low if it, if it's low on freon it's a hundred percent leaking right doc exactly you don't use it up you don't wear it out it has to be contained yeah and a lot of times we put dye in the system to find those slow leaks don't we
5: yep uh, i even suck it out now i've got a natural machine that, that i'll pressure, it, pressure up. it up to 350 mm-hmm. pounds and you know and you can find it. When you press it up that high, you'll, you'll find your leak. And, All right. And nine times out of ten, it's going to be an evaporator core.
4: Right. Just if keep it's not in, keep in visible mind. on the outside, yes. Yeah.
5: Just
1: keep in mind, though, if it's really, really hot outside, <laughs> your air conditioner is going to labor that much harder to keep it cool or cold inside and probably will not... Keep it as comfortable as you think that it should do it.
5: And if it's like my wife, one minute she's cold, the next minute she's hot.
1: <laughs> my, my mother-in-law, she'll take her co- her coat off because she says she's she's hot, and two minutes later she puts it back on because she's cold.
4: Well, she rhymed with you, Dave. When you reached up there when she took her coat off and turned temp down, didn't
1: you? <laughs> yeah, I am. That's exactly right. All right, bumper to bumper, let's talk about them just for a second. I mean uh, – how difficult is it getting to to get the freon that you need to work on
4: these air conditioning uh, systems? They've got it. Got it if you want to pay for it. <laughs> you just don't,
5: you're gonna pay to the nose for it, but they got it.
4: We were paying less than a hundred dollars for a thirty pound bottle of one thirty a a year ago. This time,
5: yep. What are you paying we're now?
4: Close to four hundred.
5: I priced some yesterday four hundred four. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you guys just absorb that, right, and just let the, No, the, no. <laughs> I knew the answer to that. <laughs> I just throw that out there. Yeah, that's why it costs more to recharge or oh, to yeah. fix your air conditioning. You
4: used to charge AC up. You could check one for leaks and charge it and dye it and everything for $110. Yeah. Now it's close to 300 <laughs> And it ain't – the labor's not that much higher, I promise you. Yeah. It's the Freon. Into one, two, three, four, y up, see that's even worse it's it's worse than that
5: now, yeah, and you buy it in a ten pound drum, not in a thirty pound drum,
4: yeah, we, we won't tell you
5: what the last two letters stand for,
4: well, anybody with one eye and a half cents figure that out, but <laughs> that free on right there's by the ounce if you had fourteen ounce system, and right now, what do you charge an ounce for duck twelve dollars $12. Eleven eighty nine, I think yeah, it is. That's it. An ounce. That's just base it. If it was ten dollars an ounce, and you had one pound in there, that's sixteen ounces. That's a hundred and sixty dollars just for the freon.
1: Yeah. Well, that's almost as much as a T-bone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> a good T-bone. <laughs> like I say. All right. So just keep that all in mind, and and know that it's not that they're trying to take you to the cleaners or anything. Prices have gone up. It is called inflation
4: for a reason. Well, let's go back to the Freon. Duck knows how many jugs of Freon he's going to need a year, okay? Yeah. I know how many I'm going to need at the shop. But if you say, all right, I can get by this year with 20 jugs, all right, and January and February comes along and you say, I want to buy this at a bargain. Even if you could buy 134A for $300 a jug, you need 20 jugs. You have to invest $6,000 before the AC season ever gets here.
5: And it takes me about 18 to 20 jugs a year, a summer. That's just to get me through the summer. That'll include me what a little bit we do in the wintertime, too.
4: Yeah. There's a lot of repairs on trucks and cars and 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 that require discharging the AC to make a repair. You pull the motor out; of it's got to go down. If you have to take the front end off and remove the AC condenser, put a camshaft in, freon's got to come out of it. So there's a lot that goes on during the winter that's not AC related, but has to be done because it's part of the job process. Yeah.
0: All
1: and, right. We're gonna let Joe and Duck come back again after a break. We get our final break in. Uh, we're going to tell you about the Travelers as we go into this break as well. See how they did last night. Then, Karen's got a 1995 Dodge Ram, a 1500, 8-cylinder, 5.9-liter engine in it. And it's pulling to the left. And it seems to be the brakes. They'll tell you what they suggest that she gets done to her, uh, her truck. 745, let's find out what's happened with the Travs. All right, I got to vent my spleen for a second. Duck just said something to me, and i yeah vent my spleen. I appreciate that the state is out patching up the highways and getting them look good. And I got to let you know that that uh, Highway Five looks good, going uh, all the way up past my house, basically, and all the way back to eighty-nine. And now they're getting ready to do eighty-nine down to you know Second Street or whatever. But, if you're going to black top it, could you please stripe it correctly? Well, I'm telling you <laughs> first of all, it looks like a drunk did it yeah <laughs> I mean, seriously, it does it looks like a drunk did it, and secondly, I know that it costs to do that, but a white line should be
4: longer than four inches long. Well, some of them are temporary, I think Dave, but yeah, even some of the permanent ones they got from like eighty nine north towards my house, yeah. It it's 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 decent striping but it ain't right. No,
5: it's, it's, it's not. it looks weird. They've been overlaying thirty from about Texas Roadhouse all the way to the Gyar Springs. They're 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 doing the shoulder the right shoulder now and they'll be through with it. Then they're gonna turn around and come back the other way the same distance. But uh um Redstone's doing all the paving and everything. And they've got one spot that the asphalt didn't hold, and it's coming up on the outside lane. You know, you got you got to watch it when you come down through there. They overlaid it with about three inches. It looked like it's good and smooth. Looks good, and it's kind of like you, Dave. Whoever striped it the, next to the wall, it, they they must have been drunk. Next that to morning. what wall? They
1: didn't do anything next to the wall. They they did not stripe on the outside of that road now, and you can. When it's dark out, you can't see where the road ends and and the road begins. You can be off that road in no time and not know it. Yeah, well. Well, you'll know it. I mean, it won't be smooth. <laughs> it won't be a smooth ride, that's for sure.
4: I don't I don't know if they're waiting right there at the 89.5 crossing to straighten that up. Or yeah, not, oh, but, Lord. Well, that's a mess, right there. It, it is. It looks horrible. But anyway, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But... Yeah, I think they could do a lot better on their striping job than what they do. I mean,
1: I know you drove in yesterday mm-hmm. and it was raining. Mm-hmm. You couldn't hardly see. see where the road was. I know it was terrible. Yep. It Really was terrible. You know, and, and I li- if I can see where the road is, I promise you I'll stay in my lane.
4: You stay between the lines. That's but right. You need some lines. Yeah.
1: If there's no lines, I don't know where I am out on that Try road. To tell me you have trouble keeping twenty so, ditches down. Yeah, so sometimes. This, this
4: is the way the conversation will go. Okay, police pulls you over. So you know why I stopped you. So you're weaving all over the road, and you roll one and down, and you say, yeah, because I'm following the lines. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's about the truth. It is about the truth. All right. Karen's got a 95 Dodge Ram 1500. It's an eight-cylinder, 5.9-liter engine. says it pulls hard to the left when I'm braking. have replaced both uh, brake calipers, both rear wheel cylinders, master cylinder correctly bled of air before installation, track bar and steering linkage are in correct alignment no leaks found anywhere in the brake lines but keep bleeding air from the system i've bled it five or six times in the last three months i'm unsure what i need to do next my suggestion take it to a bumper to bumper certified service center
4: that would be the fix for it there's two things in question here right doc one the brake calipers are they put on the right side Yes. Explain what happens when you put the right one on the left and the left one on the right.
5: You can't bleed it cuz the bleeder's down on the bottom still up on top.
4: That's correct. You keep getting air out of it. It's probably because the bleeder ain't at the top. Number 2. That your vehicle right there needs two front brake hoses replaced with the calipers. They had a
5: lot of trouble
4: well, one that old also, the rubber inside deteriorates, so one brake hose will be deteriorated more than the other one. Yep. And one hole will be smaller around, and this is a hydraulic pressure thing for brakes. So if you hit the brake pedal and one hole is bigger on one side than the other, that side's going to get more pressure faster than the other side. Yep. And make it pull one way.
5: And, like, but this you know, I, I didn't didn't read all the way through it, and it was, you know said she's still getting air out of it. Mm-hmm most likely they got the calipers upside down you betcha they got them on the wrong side but even if you do put turn the calipers Mm -hmm. over you still need to put brake hoses on it two new brake hoses the rubber part from the uh frame rail over to the spindle you know back in the day joe back in the uh early 90s late 80s early 90s Mm -hmm. 93 94 Chevrolet had a bracket they put that they bolted it to the upper A a arm yep and when they squeeze that bracket down, they used to cut, the, and we had a bunch it of hoses. Pinch,
4: it would pinch the inside line. I had a
5: bunch of them. I'd reach up there with a screwdriver and twist it out a little bit, you know, to get mm-hmm. it from being so pinched so hard. Yep. You know, but they had a lot of trouble with that. And, and you know, this hose stuff we got nowadays ain't near as good as it used to
4: no, be. No, the rubber's not near as good a quality.
1: All right. Last question for you. I think we do this one. Kind of about six minutes left. Yeah, you can go through this. Uh, 2002 Volkswagen Passat GLS, four motion, six cylinder, 2.8 liter. What needs to be done after a car sits for two years? The battery is dead. It needs to be replaced for sure. Definitely an oil change tune-up. But what else should I have checked out?
4: Duck, you
5: can do that one. Well. I'll let you. The problem's going to be your injectors are probably going to be stopped up. The tank's going to be nasty. Uh, if the tank was not full of fuel when you parked it, it's going to be rusted inside. Um, there's a whole bunch to it. And why did we park this car, like Joe said earlier, for two years? You know. If we're going to military and it got parked that way, you know, but there's uh, – he's got some of it right, like, you know, replace the battery, change the oil, tune it up, you know, and, and stuff like that. But you're probably going to wind up pulling the injectors out, putting a set of injectors in it. You're probably going to wind up pulling a tank, putting a fuel pump in it because it's going to be stopped up. To, the fuel's done, went bad in it. Yep. Uh, just a whole bunch of cleaning's going to have to be done. And then you're going to have to put belts and hoses on it probably because it's done set there, you know. So what you're saying, I can drop it
1: off four hours later and come back, pick it up. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, depending on which day you drop it off,
5: Dave.
4: Well, you can you can come pick it up. I don't know if it'll be done yet. Oh, yeah, but I you, gotcha. can,
5: you probably had to pick it up just like you dropped it off, with the record. Yep. All right, keep it. Just, it just it'll take a. And Joe, you know, and I know, you're not going to carry all the problems the first time you work on it. No. It'll take at least two times, maybe three times to get all the problem. Because you'll think, okay, I've got them all cured, and they'll take it off and go driving it, and then check engine to pop on. Yep. And you've got a mass airflow sensor that's dirty then. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a bunch of stuff that you have to go through and clean.
4: And you need to know why it was parked to begin with.
5: Exactly. You know, that's what no Joe said earlier. Nobody
4: parks a perfectly good working automobile unless it's set for two or three years.
5: You know because most time if you're going in the military you, you know you're parking it at your family's house somebody's Somebody going to drive it, it. Yeah. yeah somebody's going to drive it you know
1: I did that with my uh, nephew he yeah. had a truck and i would draw, I drove it for him
5: and it's good for it I mean it's not good for it to sit there because gas nowadays Joe, what thirty day shift life on gas nowadays probably
4: I think probably yeah thirty to forty five uh, and, you know, if it didn't have fuel stabilizer in it, you know that gas is going to smell Oof. horrible and it's going to varnish up. And the thing about the bad thing about old varnish gas, a lot of times if you if you do go out there and you crank on it, put a battery and get it running and then shut it off. That fuel that's in there will seize up in and hold the valves open, stick them open because yep. it's like varnish. But if you put fuel stabilizer in there, uh, you're just that's a temporary fix. That tank needs to come out in those lines. Fuel filter clean all that out and then you still might have to run an injection cleaning system on it
5: oh i'm sure I, you know I, I tell customers i work on motorhomes too and I, and I got a bunch of customers That's and I tell them, when you put them up for the winter mm-hmm. make sure they're full of diesel fuel because all motorhomes have a steel tank on them and if you don't keep them full Wherever that fo wherever that line is inside that tank, from there up is going to be rusted.
4: It'll, it'll, it'll have little bitty rust particles on it because of moisture and humidity just in the air itself.
5: You know, Tre- Teresa always asked me when we get ready to put ours up for the winter. I'll stop right there by the house and fill it up and take it home. You know, and put it in the garage, turn all the batteries and
4: put some turn, stabilizer Turn the on refrigerator.
5: You know, and I will put some nine one one in it. Uh, and, but she always asked me, why are you filling it up on fixing a parking? I don't want the tank rusted when we're getting ready to go next year. Well, That's you got correct. to get all the
1: moisture out, right? Yep. Yep. you got to keep it full. All right. Keep that in mind. We're out of time. Thank you, yes, Dave. Sir. Keeping that on time, too. Thank you. All right. We'll have the guys back on again next Thursday. If you got questions, send them to me. Uh, you can send them to Dave at – you ready? Here we go. You send them to uh, SalemCommunications.com. That's Dave at SalemCommunications.com. Dot com. Well, I guess we can make it easier. Uh, let's do Dave at SalemLR.com. It'll get there the other way, but it, it kind of goes around in circles when it does that. All right, so SalemLR.com. Joe, thank you. Duck, thank you. I'll be back at 9 o'clock. Jimmy Cavan's going to be with me. What's going on in Little Rock and what's going on in Cabot? We've been watching them. We'll tell you what we found here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tell you as we uh, finish up today's show on a Thursday, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll start with Robert uh, Steinbach and Chris Corbett, and uh, I've I've got my uh, I've got some uh, questions in for some people to join me at nine o'clock uh, to talk about movies uh, tomorrow about what's coming up in the fall, and I think Matt Smith will be with us at uh, nine thirty-five. So friday shows are kind of geared towards the weekend uh, things that you might want to go see or 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 hear or whatever so we're going to do that again tomorrow uh we won't do traps tomorrow because they're out of town but we will get steve uh, back on again uh a week uh, from tomorrow because we'll be approaching the end of the season and kind of want to do a, a view of you know how they're happy with uh, what's going on with the Travs and things of that nature. So uh, just keep in touch with me during the course of the week, and I'll be letting you know what to expect. But uh, today, uh, when a a story comes out and people are not adhering to the law, and it seems like everybody is kind of helping them not adhere to the law, I get a little bit frustrated and get really irritated to be honest and I get kind of like a pit bull and so when I can get the information that I need I keep bringing them uh, bringing the people back that can give you that information so you can see what kind of things that we're facing as we move you know through the process and what is going on here in Little Rock besides all of the of the violence that's broke loose here in the city. I saw an article. Um, I think it was Channel Seven had a, an article, an interview with a gentleman who had been fighting violence here in the area since the '90s, and was talking about, you know, we're back to banging and rock things going on right now. And said that if you if you looked from that time to this time and looked at the timeline, we're ten murders ahead. Uh, from uh, from the '90s, uh, I forget what year of the '90s he was talking about, but it was one of the bad years of of, of violence here. So you don't want to go back to that. I, I was not here at that time. I've written, I've uh, read about that time. I've had people on my show talking about that time. Um, I had the producers from HBO on talking about when they were here doing the the series on Little Rock at that time. And the bottom line, you don't want to go back to it, but that's what you're going back to because it's starting to raise its ugly head again. And part of the reason I do believe, though it's not talked about all that much, is um, a lot of those people that went to jail during the 90s, a lot of them uh, got out. And now they're reestablishing themselves with a lot of the youth. They get street cred because they've served time in prison. They were part of gangs, and uh, so I think we're seeing that come back. Um, I'm going to see if I can get the police chief to come on and talk. Maybe bring his gang task force people on. But when you got to call in the state police, and you get to call in the sheriffs around the, the area, and because you need help, well, you got two problems. One, whatever you're doing with your own police staff is not enough, and uh, you need more people, and the, the the mayor is not putting those people in place. And then secondly, uh, you know, you just got to you, you don't want to go back. They say they don't want to go back to the old ways of, of of doing that. Well, you know, when they were having those problems and they went in and made the changes and they got tougher on crime, guess what happened? It went down and then it went away, basically. And it, and Little Rock was a safe place to to um, to live again i had some people talking jimmy is here today and i gotta tell you what i was talking to the these people and they were saying yeah it's bad and i said makes me wonder why they want to have a state fair do they really think people are going to turn out in droves that come downtown little rock right now with the way yeah. it, that crime is i don't believe that they will they'll be down there they could have perfect weather and i tell you the turnout will be lower than it has been in the past
6: i can tell you i won't be there my family won't be there
1: yeah it's dang- it's going to be dangerous i mean you just got you got to take it in uh, you got to take a look at it and make up your mind about what you're going to do with it and i'm not seeing anything really good going on now the other thing that's going on is i believe you have an administration that refuses to adhere to the law and uh, would you read that letter from Tom Carpenter? Do you have that with you?
6: Uh, let's see if I can... Let's see if I...
1: Now, that's a city attorney. And this is a letter, if I'm not mistaken, did he send this to to the mayor?
6: Yes, he sent it to... To the mayor of the city board and everything it was in reference to one of my
1: foi requests let me see if i can try to have him pull this up and read it to N-I-O. you because and, and so what i'll do while you're looking for that jimmy i'm going to go ahead and talk about hillcrest designer jewelry uh they're going to time for me to do an ad for them so let me get that out of the way we'll take our break and then we'll come back and i want to hear i want you to hear this letter Because if you hear this letter, it it wasn't reported on Monday in the story where the mayor was saying that, you know, he's being targeted, basically, for bad news. Not true. I'm just telling you that's not true. The only reason that bad news is coming out about the mayor is because of his bad behavior and not following the law. And uh, people in his administration will talk further about that as we go along here in this uh, half hour. Uh, Hillcrest designer jewelry with Eric Coleman Eric's going to be on in the next uh, probably not next week week after and we're going to talk to him about uh, what's going on with Hillcrest designer jewelry the redesign of his facility uh, all some of the new uh, items that he's got on display and that you can go see and purchase uh, you can talk to him about uh, his using his talent to make you a unique uh, ring because he's been in the jewelry business for 40 years. I mean, 40 years of experience teaches you a whole lot of uh, how to go about making a ring and making it uh, reflect the personality of the person it's being made for. He's located in 3000 Kavanaugh, Suite E. Uh, And uh, you can stop by at any time, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6, or call him 501-246-3655. Go to the best jewelry store here in the city, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. That's with Eric Coleman. We'll come back and we'll do more here in a moment. Let's get our break in, and then uh, we will talk with uh, with Jimmy about uh, what the uh, – the city attorney had to say. So I'll turn it over to, to Heidi to get us there. We found a letter sent by the city attorney to uh, everybody that needed to hear this, including the mayor himself and his administration. So let's start off with that. Read that letter that you, you got there, in, uh, uh, Jimmy.
6: Uh, basically, in some parts, it's kind of goes into some technical law and stuff but basically this this email came to me and to Frank Scott Kendra uh, Pruitt's chief of staff and the entire city city board of directors Uh, he said he said this uh, said Arkansas Code twenty five nineteen one. so the uh, talking about the compensation package Uh, the amount should have already been sent if it has not been there is no right to seek an attorney general opinion on that point. So what he's saying is you should have already sent me the you should have already sent me uh, the information. He said this should have already he says this should have already been done. This should not be an issue. Mm-hmm. Now he then goes in uh, and try not to bore anybody with the law, but he then goes into the specifics under the self Freedom Information Act. And what the law states. So what he's doing is he's advising them of the law. Uh, at that point, he has made them aware of what they need to do to follow the law and that they have not followed the law.
1: Okay. Now, that's important. They have not Mm-mm. followed the law uh, dealing with FOI and, and requests that are made.
6: What's After he sent this to them, what – it's not shocking if you know how the mayor's office operates, but they just basically ignored what Tom told them. Uh, they did not respond to his email or reply to it. Uh, several days went by, and that's when on, uh, I believe it was August 5th, that I told him. I said, look, you know, if you're, you're violating the law. Your own attorney has told you you're violating the law. Uh, I'm going to seek prosecution. Okay. And... With that, that afternoon, it was I think it kind of turned into helter skelter down there, and they started what appeared to be just throw stuff together and try to send me something, okay, which wasn't enough. What's interesting that night when when I did that after Tom wrote this and I and I sent that email to to Frank uh, his tire staff the seaboard that night at 8:07 p.m. a Friday night, mind you, uh, prosecuting attorney Larry Jagley, who was copied on it, weighed in.
1: Okay, and what did Larry Jigley have to say?
6: He said, Dear Tom, uh, speaking to Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, this is ridiculous and unconscionable if true. I certainly honor the presumption of innocence, as you well know, but knowing you, I have assumed you have given proper advice as to public officials' responsibilities Under the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act, because you are a good good and competent city attorney of many years' experience. If I am correct, we need to talk. As you know, I will file charges whenever the facts and law require and will not when the facts and law do not. The Freedom of Information Act is an important tool of democracy and transparency and should not be ignored. If an exception exists, I will duly honor it also. Let's talk Monday as always. Uh Larry, I think what's important is that he makes the point he said, you know, you know, but knowing you, when he's talking about Tom, but knowing you Tom, I've assumed you have given proper advices to public officials responsibility under the Arkansas Freedom of Information And
1: Act. you just heard the letter that Tom sent to exactly. every member of the city council and to the mayor.
6: Yes. And so so Tom is did exactly what
1: he was supposed to do yeah
6: and what uh prosecuting attorney Larry jagley is assuming he did the the problem is is that they just ignored his advice and so what i tell people and and i've talked to tom and alex benton about this the chief deputy attorney uh they both seem to be really good men they both take their job seriously they both you know value the law but when I talked to Tom after the meeting, I talked to Alex Benton at the meeting the other night too. And I said, you know, I said, you've got a client and the client is the city, mm-hmm. which is City Hall and the mayor. I said, you can advise your client all day long, but you can't make your client follow the law. Correct. And now the problem with runs into that they have advised their client of law. At this point, they're. Their, their client is not only negligent in not following law, they're willfully negligent. Well, if, if you
1: go back to Monday when uh, the uh, mayor said that he was going to run for re-election for the mayorship, uh, mayoral ship here in, in Little, Little Rock, he spent an inordinate amount of time in honesty talking about you, <laughs> yeah. talking about there were people after him uh that this was all politically driven and we have presented here on the air all the uh the forms that and letters that you've sent these people and what they've said that they've done and in fact have have uh told you one thing and then did another and then you've got Larry Jeggley saying look I'm looking at what I'm seeing and this is unconscionable. What's going on?
6: Yes, sir. And matter of fact, I I, I filed a criminal complaint uh, the other day. And before I tell you about that, I think it's important for the folks to know. That, and and I sent this uh, to them yesterday again and asked them to please read this. I asked Frank Scott to please read this and understand mm-hmm. it because this is. I think this is hugely important. Legislative branch, the legislature very seldom gets things right. But in 1967, they got this right. This is the intent of the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act. Now, I want everybody to really listen to this. It is vital in a democratic society that public business be performed in an open and public manner so that the electors shall be advised of the performance of public officials and of the decisions that are reached in public activity In making public policy. Toward this end, this chapter is adopted, making it possible for them or their representatives to learn and to report fully the activities of their public officials. That's the intent.
1: You need to know what's going on as a voter. That's basically, let's cut to the chase. That's exactly what that's
6: saying. Yes, sir. What they're saying is they don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, what politician does? <laughs> That's right. And so I did. I filed an incident report with the Little Rock Police Department on following the protocol. Um, I, I contacted uh, Prosecutor Larry Jigley. I asked him, I said, hey, what's my next step? Because I don't want to overstep anything. I want to do it the right way. Uh, he said, go to the Criminal Complaint Division, Citizen Complaint Division uh, downtown you know, and file your report. I did that on Monday. Uh, met with, uh, I made the complaint, uh, filed it. Then I met with two law clerks, which is a process. They have law clerks there that are going to school, and that's it's a good thing.
1: They take a look at it.
6: Right. And I sat down with them. Uh, Robert, like this, interesting enough, uh, Robert's name came up in the conversation. One of them had had him as a teacher, and they're both scheduled to have him again. And... Uh, uh, so we did talk about Robert Steinbuck, in, uh, which I thought was kind of a nice little sidebar. But, uh, you know, they were very intrigued because this is not something that comes to the prosecutor's office every day. Who who walks in and says, hey, I want to file charge, criminal charges against the mayor? Yeah, well, you're you're following the rules. That's the law, right? So, so I left, and a couple hours later, the head of that division, uh, Prosecutor Jill Camps, called me uh we talked for quite a bit on the phone uh she asked for additional information which i provide her some files and everything and so they are investigating it and uh you know they are taking right now it appears to me that they are taking it very seriously and they plan on doing their duty uh the they're not going to jump any steps, though, and I don't want them to.
1: Right. You want, you, you want this to be up and up. I yes. mean, you have said all along that the reason you're doing this is for the simple reason that right is right and wrong is yes, wrong. Sir.
6: That's it. And what we're finding is because of that pressure, I went to the city board meeting uh, Tuesday night, uh, I spoke at the meeting because what I've called for is I'm looking at the city board letters and saying uh, board of directors, and I addressed them with this, and I sent them an email, that this is not about politics right now. We I requested credit card statements. I didn't get them all. Forty-six statements are missing. So then you have the CFO of the city, Larry, Sarah Linehan, saying in writing to Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, there are statements missing, and we did not scan and retain statements. Okay, now, when you hear that, that would
1: tell you, or should uh, elicit a response from you of, okay, so they don't have these. However.
6: Right. And so I went back and I informed them of the state law in Title 14 in uh, uh, on record retention and tampering with public record, which really hit them hard so at the board meeting i basically went to the board and i said look i said this is not about politics this is not about a mayor's election this is not about their election some of them are facing opponents and the, you know, i know their concern is are we going to deal with this right before the election right before i have an election right and i said you've got to put politics aside.'" What this is about is you have forty six missing fin- uh, financial documents that are missing, and those forty six financial documents belong to the people. Basically, I, I was their ear. I wasn't talking to deaf ears. I was I was talking to scared ears. Uh-huh. Uh, they just sat there, and it wasn't because they're not hearing me. It's because, for some reason, they are scared to death of Frank Scott. And for the life of me, I don't know why. So during the meeting, after I spoke, Tom chimed in, and he spoke on it, and he brought out that he said that Sarah said she does have the records. Okay, now
1: wait a second. Sarah had said they didn't scan them and they didn't have them. That's but right. now the the attorney's telling you she has them.
6: Yes, and, and uh, Sarah... I've got it here. This is what Sarah's in the letter to Tom Carpenter said. All
1: right, I want you to hold your thought on it. Sure. That. All right. We're gonna take a break. We got news for you. Then when we come back, you'll hear what uh, this is the what, the CFO of the city? Yes, sir. City right.
6: CFO Sarah Lenahan.
1: Okay, we're gonna hear what she has to say about that and her story changes some. We'll do we'll talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let me remind you uh, that Pat Davis has all of the answers you need to be able to reduce your health insurance by 30 to 50 percent. I know you want to know this, because 30 to 50 percent on whatever you're paying for health insurance over a course of a year is a lot of money. So uh, you need to give him a ring at 501-605-6935. That's where they're at. I would be using Pat if I wasn't on Medicare. I mean, when, when once you take your Social Security, you're in Medicare whether you like it or not. The federal government forces you into it. And uh, I've been talking to Pat about, you know, if they can ke- come up with, uh, you know, an extra uh, piece of... Uh, you know, health insurance that you can get to cover what Medicare doesn't. And he's been looking into that. And when he has an answer, a real good answer for it and what he can do, I'll have him on to talk about that specifically. Because I'm going to tell you what, I'm all about saving money. All about it. I want to make sure that I got the best deal I possibly can get and uh he can uh, cut your health insurance by 30 or 50% because he gets rid gets rid of the copays cuts the deductibles and all the rest. I mean, you end up getting uh you know checks back from the hospital and your doctor. When's the last time that's happened for you? Again, call him at 501-605-6935 or visit him at yourhealthplanman.com. That's yourhealthplanman. Uh, dot com and talk to Pat Davis. All right, so Jimmy is on the air with me. We're talking about the the whole thing about the Scott administration not complying with the Freedom of Information Act, which is law in the state of Arkansas. We read why it was made into law back in the '60s, and it's only gotten tougher as uh, as it has been in, in as, as law in the state. And uh, then on Monday, and I got really irritated Monday when I started reading about what the the mayor was saying about, you know, this is all politically driven. Uh, this is all about, uh, you know, this and that. And I didn't do this. And uh, they're, they're, they're saying lies about me. And look, I've seen the paperwork. Jimmy's sitting right there, and he's got most of it sitting right next to him. And uh, all he's doing is reading it to you. And this is what Frank Scott's getting, too. You're hearing exactly what the mayor's getting. This is not something where somebody has got a bullseye painted on on the mayor. If there's a bullseye on the mayor, it's because he put it there. I'm just telling you right now. He put it there, and he refuses to fess up and say, I've done this wrong. We're going to stop doing it wrong. We're going to do it right. But then you got to decide: Is he serious about it? Because he said he's been doing some stuff and saying we're changing this and we're changing that, and it's not changing the hill of beans.
6: No, no, it's not. And and he's the problem with it. Um, just like this on the forty-six missing statements. Uh, as I said, CFO, CCSO, Sarah Lenahan stated it in writing. Okay, I, so, Listen to
1: this. This is to Tom, right, Carpenter?
6: Yes. It, okay. on, on August 8th, I, I responded to what they sent me, and I said, basically said, hey, well, there's 46 statements missing, and I provided them the months and the date that I should have that I didn't have. So on an email uh, to Tom in response, she said, Mr. Kevin's email on August 8th we conducted a follow-up review of the documents provided. Uh, let's see. Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, determined that all the statements from April 2021, current with activity, were provided to the FOI response to uh, on Wednesday, August 3rd. Now, here's the key: there were also several statements provided for 2019-2020, but we discovered that there were some missing statements. In the first five months of 2019, and they were also missing individual statements during the period of March 2020 through 2021. Uh, During that, this is key. During that period, individual account statements were not scanned and saved.
1: All right, which means they have no recollection, nor do they have any forms to show anybody exactly
6: so the city cfo put in writing to the city attorney tom carpenter that yes we have missing statements and yes there were statements that were not scanned and retained okay which is violation of Arkansas state law so fast forward to tuesday night and i brought the issue up with the board asking them to please request a legislative audit into the matter of the missing statements After I did that, Tom spoke, and um, he informed the board that Sarah had come to him and informed him that the statements were not missing. Okay, so we have a letter from Sarah saying they they are missing, and they weren't scanned and retained, and now we have Tom saying at the meeting that she came to him and said, wait a minute, they are not missing, that Mm -hmm. she has them.
1: Okay, so why don't you have them?
6: That's a good question. Matter of fact, I will say this about Doris Wright, one of the city board directors. She brought that up. She said, "Okay, well, if if we've got them, why don't you have? Why doesn't Jimmy have them? Right? (laughs) Which that question didn't get answered. So after the meeting, uh, uh, Tom called me and said, "Hey, Jimmy," and uh, like I say, I think very highly of Tom and. uh, And he caught me He said, look, he said, I didn't get a chance to call you before the meeting, but she came to us this afternoon, and she told us, said, look, you know, they didn't scan them, and they didn't store them electronically, but they kept the hard copies and everything. And I said, okay. I said, well, at that point, my question is, one, why did she put in writing to you that they were missing, and she did not scan them and retain them? Second question is, if she's got them, Tom, why do I not have them?
1: Mm -hmm. And what did he say when you asked that? Really couldn't answer that. Okay.
6: (laughs) And, and, uh, of course, it's not Tom's to answer so much. It's like he can only, it goes back to, he can only give me, him and Alex can only give me what they give them to give. Okay. So, uh, last night, uh, I went and uh, I typed up the email and I sent it to Sarah Lenahan to see if I, CFO and to Frank Scott, Tom, Alex, uh, all the city board of directors, uh, and, of course, prosecuting attorney Larry Jegley, because I want everybody to understand this. Everybody is, is in the know. Yes, sir. And I put a little thought into it before I did, because I wanted to be clear, and I said, hey, sir, I've attached the statement you gave Tom, which is what I just read on there. In the letter you state the statements are missing and statements were not scanned and retained. Last night after the board meeting, Tom told me that you informed him earlier that day that you do have the missing statements. When I say this, I don't mean it in an ugly way. I just need to know which one isn't. And if you do have them, my next question is, why have you not provided them to me? Okay, so let's understand
1: something. The whole thing about not being scanned or whatever and not having them. Comes right off of a letter that the CFO sent that says they did. Okay. okay. Now the other part, and I don't, I'm not, not throwing anything on on Tom, is hearsay. Right. Yeah. He what, said. What he, this well, no, is what he I adnou-
6: heard. he announced it at the meeting. Oh, okay. He said it in session. All right. And she said that she had the statements. Okay. So, so it's on record. Uh. So then I said, you know, you know, I said if you if you why have you not provided them to me and then i said i have to point out i made the request on july 22nd and it's now august 17th yeah almost a month later yes and i said i've att- and i did i've att- I attached a breakdown of the missing statements if you do not possess them please send that if you do possess if you do possess them then please send them to me immediately if you do not possess them then please say so And I did say this, I said, I do not say this lightly at all, but we have passed the ridiculous point a long time ago. Now, and I did say, I said, I'm going to address the receipts in a different, uh, uh, the receipts to the charges today. And that's what I'd like to bring up is it's not just the 46 statements now. Okay. After I did it, what I did is I took the statements that I had and I sent a request in. I want, I asked for all the receipts for each charge on that statement. Uh, we did a little negotiation me and Alex Ben because I know it that takes longer than 3 days when we're going to be reasonable. Okay. They want a little more time. I said, "Hey, how about August 17th?" Alex agreed,
1: and that's today.
6: That uh, actually that was yesterday. Oh, was yesterday. I'm sorry. Okay. And Alex agreed, and I said, "In the meantime, can you have Sarah send me what they pulled so far?" And he said he would ask her to. Well she didn't and so I pushed back a little further and so uh I think uh, uh I guess Tuesday or Monday I received like just a few receipts. Okay. Which really amounted to nothing. But the, they told me that they would have everything to me by the seventeenth to finish the deal. Well, seventeenth comes you know I I get nothing, no correspondence. I not, not only get I don't even get an email saying, you know, well, hey, we're we not tried it. but we
1: couldn't do it right. Yet.
6: So I've got nothing. So I've got to deal with that day. So it appears to me we're going to go down the same road as we did with the statements. Because here's the question people have, and and this question is out there, and I guess the the big one everybody is dying to know is about the receipts for. Uh, New, New Year's Eve. Eve, 2019, at the Peabody Hotel, where Frank Scott ran up $2,724 worth of charges. And everybody's wanting to know that. But, I mean, there's a, there's questions on all of them. We want to see, okay, just what did you get at Copper Grill? All these times you go to Copper Grill, which appears to be his favorite restaurant, he should be doing commercials for them. And, you know, what exactly did you get there? And the $1,200 at Arthur's Steakhouse okay, who got, who got to eat on the city's tab at that? Who got to drink on the city's tab at that? Um, all their seats. So, so we've gone from – we got some statements that are full of questionable charges. We've got 46 missing statements that they said were missing they don't have that now they said they have but they won't give to me, and now we're to a point – where we asked for the receipts for the statements we do have for each charge, and you'll have them by the 17th, and the 17th, and we hadn't even got a communication. And so I'm going, you wonder why I go to the prosecutor's office? Yeah. And, And I included the prosecutor on that last deal. So my question to them is, just tell me which is it. You either have them or you don't. If you have them, give them to me. If you don't say it, but now I have another question: Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You know, I need to know why you're covering. Why are you? Why are you not warning? And who to use are
1: you to... covering for? Yes.
6: As they always say,
1: and I've heard it time and time again. Whenever I've been pursuing a news story, the cover up is always the worst thing uh, about it. Yes, sir. Because if you tell one lie, you're going to have to lie again to cover up the lie you've already told. And, and remembering all the lies that you've done is virtually impossible.
6: Yes, sir. And it's, it's like I was telling you during the break, I said, you know, my grandpa had a saying. I said, some people tell a lie when the truth sounds better. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that seems to be the case here.
1: Well, we're going to talk and finish this up for today. I'm going to tell you right now, if uh, Jimmy has time, we'll bring him back in next Thursday. Bring us up to date on this and about what's going on in Cabot. We didn't even get to touch that today, but we will touch that next week as well. Don't forget about East End Towing. They want you to know they understand the situations you can find yourself in. Sometimes they're difficult situations, but they will help you Uh, Get off the side of the road. They'll help you make sure you're not paying extra money. They belong to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed. They're insured. And every one of their trucks is permitted. Uh, They understand private property tows, public property tows. They know it all. And that is important for you when uh, you need to be taken care of. Call them at 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849 east end towing i am going to ask one question uh it's not for you jimmy it's it's for it's a rhetorical question uh, for my listeners this is the third time you've been on yes correct all right first time was about cabot this time it's about Little Rock. Last time it was about Little Rock.
6: Yeah, we've done the security detail. Uh, we've done well, actually, four. One about four, okay. security detail, and then two about this subject.
1: Okay, and we're gonna we're not we're not gonna let it go. We're gonna come back with the the latest that we have next week. But but here's my question: There are other news organizations in the city. I've been talking about, like I said, four weeks now. You've heard it you know all the information we've been able to get in fact jimmy's dug up and all i'm doing is making it uh you know public for everybody to hear why aren't the tv stations getting on this and why isn't uh the demgaz in their little apple thing that they gave me getting on this as well
6: uh th- I, i've done the research on it the only people that the only person that is is asked for information from the mayor's office pertaining to this to the credit card deal uh, to the statements the only person doing that is mitch mccoy at channel 4 and fox 16 that's it i can tell you he has submitted s- several requests i can tell you that he is working hard on this and they're ignoring him they are ignoring him i can tell you who's not working hard on it and that's Channel 11 and Channel 7, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, They Gazette, they have requested nothing from the city of Little Rock pertaining to this, nothing. I will give credit where credit's due. Max Branley has written opinion articles where, you know, his articles where he has included the information that I provided and that Mitch provided, and he's been fair about putting it out there. You know who you're not hearing anything about this from is Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Channel 11, Channel 7. I'm to the point, as far as Channel 7 goes, they actually go out of their way to protect the mayor. I'm just going to say it on here. I mean, why don't you just change the name, change it from 7 on your side to 7 on Frank's side? I mean, that's about the point where they actually came out with a hit piece on me, on the day, which is fine, hit me all day long. I don't care. I don't care what you say about me. But they didn't even bother to call me about it. And, of course, we forced that issue, and they had to do an update on it. The reporter, Ashley Crockett, I'll give her credit. She's a very nice young lady. But the management at Channel 7 has an agenda. And they're very clear You believe
1: that that is the problem. Yes, sir. All right. So anyway, let's finish up here. We've got just a couple of minutes. So where do we stand? What are we waiting for? You're waiting for these uh, found or not found
6: records, correct? Yes, sir. It's kind of like what we're not waiting for. But, yes, we're waiting for the rest of the statements, and we're waiting for the receipts to the charges on the statements. The receipts are critical, because it's going to show the actual charges. Now, the question is, are they going to give us what they should? Are they just going to give us the slip on the credit card where he signs it with a total, or are they going to give us what they should, which would be the itemized receipt of what was purchased? Now, here's my question. Why
1: not Why not just get it over with? I mean, it's like pulling a bandage off of a wound. Yeah, it, it it goes better if you just grab it and pull it off
6: fast. They're pulling it off a little bit at a time, and that makes it painful. If you haven't done anything wrong, there's no reason – there's only one reason not to give them, okay? And I tell people this all the time. You know, they say, why do you get on – if you don't want me on you, then just follow law, follow policy, and follow ethics. There's nothing to report. Nothing. And so my deal on this, if you followed law, if you followed policy, and you followed ethics, why, why not give the receipts, why not give the statements? To me, my opinion, there's only one reason not to give them. It's because they they don't want anybody to know what's on them, and that defeats the purpose of the legislative intent in the law.
1: Well, yeah, the purpose is, you know, transparency. Yes, sir. That's what it's there for. It's so that you, the voter, knows that that tax money they take from you, willingly or unwillingly. Uh, is being used for the purposes to which they say it's being used. Yes, sir.
6: I will say this, that Tom Carpenter has put together a good plan that he put before the board. The board approved it, a revamp of how they do the FOIs. But the problem is simply this. The plan is great, but it will not work. It will not work unless the mayor follows the plan. Tom, Tom can put it together all day long. Alex Benton can do his job all day long. But unless the mayor's going to adhere to the the policy that they put in place, it's not going to matter. Gotcha. you, Jimmy? I
1: appreciate you coming yes, by. sir. If people want to keep up on this uh, daily or or you know every other day or wh- uh, whatever, you got a, a Facebook page for them
6: to go to. Yes, sir. J i m m i e uh, cabin c a v i n and, and uh, a lot of people type the y but i do mine J I M M I E C A V I N, and you can see all the stuff you'll see this on there and you can see everything
1: all right so keep checking it out but know that next thursday jimmy will be back on at nine o'clock and we'll be pursuing about what has happened uh during this we're not going to let it go we're going to just keep on doing it here on the dave ellswick show thank you jimmy for coming yes, in. yes sir so dave ellswick show i'll be back with you at 6 a.m in the morning until then enjoy your afternoon